afternoon you're listening to cannabis corner on wnhhlp 103.5 fm broadcasting live from downtown new haven we are streaming live on TuneIn radio and newhavenindependent.org we're also streaming live video on facebook just go to facebook.com slash new haven independent or green haven media look us up you can hit c first to hear all the great programming that we have here on WNHHLP. So it is Monday, August the 22nd, 2022. I'm your host, Joe Lachance. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I'm joined here by my co-host, Kebra Smith-Bolden. Kebra, how are you today? I am well. So nice to see you, Joe. And nice to yes. be talking to all of y'all. I've been, I had to be off for the last couple of weeks do the travel and stuff, but be back. You are back. It's good to be back in Connecticut. Um, (laughs) A lot of good things going on. How was your travels? Yeah. Good. They were great. I went to go visit a cultivation facility in Cleveland. Well, the dispensary in Cleveland and a cultivation in Middlefield, Ohio. It was really cool. Like to see like all, innovations and stuff they're doing at these facilities nice to learn you've been to quite a few cultivation and facilities around the country i know you travel and everywhere you go you like to visit them what would you say was probably which state or which cultivation facility were you most impressed with Mm, i don't know if i'm looking at it through a different lens right now um, and so this is why this last facility I went to, to me, looks like the most, the best. But <clears throat> I, the last one in, uh, in Middlefield, it was really a well, like the the person who won the license, she won the license when she was like 20, 21, 22 years old. Her, oh. her They were a boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. Um, and, and so when they won the license, like they really, did not know what they were doing and they, so you know so they learned as they were going and and they really have um you know laid out a, a great facility with excellence like you could just tell that they put a lot of time money um you know and and resources into it i mean they have an extractions lab with a full testing lab um you know they have they have like some really amazing um amazing thing so i I really like this middle field ohio one (laughs) well that's probably the latest one you've been to how does it compare now this is a medical cultivation right because that's all they have in ohio um how does it compare to the connecticut yeah i know you've toured 
them, how does it compare to the Connecticut medical cultivation facilities? I mean, to be honest, I haven't been to Connecticut, uh, Connecticut pharmaceuticals in years, and I know they've made a lot of changes. The only other cultivation I've been to, like recently here in Connecticut, was TheraPlant. I mean, uh -huh. I really like, I really liked, you know, TheraPlant setup. You know, I really liked uh, some of the products and, and the ways in which they were developing. You know, I, I, I really found that when it comes to cultivations, cultivation facilities, I, of course, I love to see the babies, all the plants and all the beautiful things. But I really am into like the kitchen and the extraction labs, you know, so I'm really looking to see like what kind of what kind of things they're doing, like on the research and development side and and I. I didn't see a lot of that at TheraPlant. Like, you know, it, it was like they had just had their, you know, their their way that they do their processes. But I thought TheraPlant had an excellent facility. I, I brought people, you know, from, uh, they've allowed me to bring some people from other, um, uh, from, the, you know, around the state there to, to see the facility. It, it is really also done well. Um, but I, you know, and I, you know, I love the folks at TheraPlant. Don't, don't be mad at me. I guess. <laughs> but, you know, Cleveland right now is topping everybody. Yeah, I have to think that any new cultivation facilities that are opening are going to be outfitted with all the newest technology. So they're probably going to be better than the existing ones. Because let's face it, Connecticut, those, they've been around for a while. And I don't know how much they innovate or change or you know, I don't know what they do over there. And so I'm glad to hear that, at least in other states, they are making innovations. The fact that they had a testing lab right in the facility is kind of impressive. So they could test the product before it went to the state, make sure it was good. That is good. And we are joined by Uncle Lou. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well. I was just enjoying the conversation. I love hearing Kieber's story. Uh, I know, yeah, right? Yeah. We don't get to we don't get to visit cultivation facilities. They don't want us in there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all I've good. never been invited to any of them. Yeah, oh, man. We went, uh, what did we tour? We toured. I want to say maybe two years ago. CT Pharma. We did oh, yeah? CT Farmers Grow Facility. Yeah, it was. How was that? It was interesting. It was big. It was. It was all the standard stuff from two years ago. And you watch as things, as Kieber said, as things change and the innovation and the newer places are really getting outfitted with some really dope places. I loved all the pictures that you had. And um, I always like seeing what, what method people are growing and usually tell that by the, by the, by the end in the flower room, seeing what they're using for uh, mediums, what they're using. So it's pretty cool. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, it's always good to see what else uh, people are doing. So, one all thing, right. One yeah, thing that I just was about, like, pest control in, the, in uh, the whole Ohio facility. They had these little packets that go on each plant that, like, you know, make sure that they, they like, they had so many, like, ways to make sure that there were no 
you know, bugs and, and like, I, I really like that. I'm a, you know, I'm a science geek. So I was like really interested in all of that stuff, but you know, it's so many things that go into cultivation, like people who think this is just like something that's easy to do. You can just do overnight. Like they are really, you know, or do with minimal money. Like you really have to have a lot of money to do a large scale grow like this, but Listen, this is why we can also grow at home now as a medical patient and hope and that will be changing and open to everyone soon. So, you know, I, I'm really excited the little bit I'm learning, you know, so I can I can grow me some plants at home. <laughs> yeah, we got another year to wait, but it it's coming. I think that's the best thing that came out of the legalization uh, that we got here in Connecticut was the home grow. I think that we can claim as a major victory as far as the rest of it that remains to be seen. But, you know, speaking of the I'm sure nobody here is happy with the current legislation. I mean, nobody. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, nobody, especially you guys. Right. So speaking of approvals. The Social Equity County uh, Council voted to approve 12 new applications this week. Uh, so eight, they approved four equity applications for delivery. They denied one. They approved two equity applications for a micro cultivator, which I'm very interested to see who got those. And then for product packagers, they approved two equity applications and denied one. And then for one new re- retailer, they approved one equity application and they had one hybrid retailer that they denied. So whoever applied for that hybrid license did not get it. I wonder if that was one of the existing communities, um, facilities. Because aren't they the only ones who can apply for those? The ones that are already doing medical? How does that work? Do you guys know? No, wasn't there a separate... um for hybrid, yeah, but weren't most of the uh, weren't most of the existing cultivators the ones that were going to apply for that? They are that that was I don't know, but I know that was one that they had to do. They had to apply for a rec license if they wanted to get in the. Uh, they had to convert over right from their yes. medical, or they had to have a dual. They had to have a dual license. Yeah, the existing ones have to have both licenses, right? Yes. They wanna if they wanna um, sell to for to adult use. Um, I always want to say patients, I guess. Client uh, customers, then um, they have to apply for a hybrid. Right. So maybe, but, but you could have. That was its own separate category that you could have gotten um, okay. a hybrid tailor license. So the kind of cost prohibitive like if you are you know truly a social equity applicant trying to put it together yourself like having to pay a pharmacist and pharmacy tax like just really make it hard to you know get your business off the ground so yeah i know there's those who are the salaries are of a pharmacist are not cheap people don't understand that i know i was good friends with brian who used to be the and we know and he made good money so Yeah. So, you know, that is a cost and pharmacy techs get paid more than regular techs would. So, 
Yeah, you have to think about those things. Uh, Connecticut wants to make sure, you know, that we have a pharmaceutical model here that's so good. Anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about the events this week. How's that? There's a couple of cool ones coming up, a couple of additions that didn't get the events to me in time, but I do want to promote them. Uh, Let's see. So for this week, we have our regular Lit and Fit Boxing uh, the Cushion Cocktails event is going on again this week on Tuesday night. Uh, now, we have an interesting event here. Um, it is called the Gangier Guided Cannabis Assessment. Uh, now, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's cannabis testing or if somebody, I, I, I don't know. What is a Gangier? Do you know what a Gangier is? Any of you guys? Like a, like a barista? No, for I, a read? I, yeah, I've, basically. So it's I like, do know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what a gangier is. Gangier. Gangier. Well, if you're French, you say gangier. But go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and I'm so French. It is like a semonier for cannabis out of California. And this is something that was started by some of the larger legacy individuals. Uh, one might say it's like Frenchie Cannoli was an instructor on it. Um, so like those old legacy out of California. And it was the whole like, uh, there's a couple like big name brands that are backing it. Uh, a couple of magazines that are backing it. Like Warren Barrow is on it. Uh, I think they're doing something with Tommy Chong. Like, and um, they also have um, Jerome Baker's doing something. So like, it's all higher end names that are supposed to create this curated, cannabis semonier class so it's supposed to be like uh the the assessment is you <laughs> take the bud and you go through this standardized assessment to give it a grading and then you're supposed to be trained in how to grade it and that's you know a couple people have taken the courses throughout the nation and as they come back to their home states they're doing these curated instead of uh come buy stuff and find stuff it's Hey, come hang out while we sample this cannabis and then we give it a rating based on the Semonier program. Oh, so that's, that's, interesting. That's yeah, that, that ought to be fun that at least you get to smoke and test, you know, and I know it's at the Grove, which is, of course, is near and dear to my heart. Um, and I think I know the guy who's doing it. His name is Lamont and uh, he used to come around the Grove a lot. So I guess he went out and got himself trained. So good for him. So go support the Grove, six to nine. Yes. That do Arlamont, the um who took our yes, yes, yes. He went to our classes. So he went to our classes, and then I guess he went and gotten trained in this. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's uh tomorrow night, six to nine. That's at the Grove, my old stomping ground. So go down and check it out if you got time. Uh, let's see. Now, we also have the regular Zumba if you want to get fit. And we have a, can- a special event this week called Cannabis and Cocktails. And that is in Hartford. It's at the Hartford Flavor Company. That is put on and that starts at six. That's from Lady Jane Events. Um, and so that is going on this Thursday night in Hartford. That might be a fun event to check out. Then Saturday night, we got the gift gang, the old old school uh, activists get together and they're doing a potluck dinner Saturday night in Hartford. So that starts at 2 p.m. and you can get a hold of Bad Girl Buds for that. And then uh, Saturday, 
Uh, this is something we all should go to. I used to participate in this event. It's called the Good Vibes Festival. That is down at Bohemian High in, um, in Milford, right next to the Grove. That's a great time. They're having a Grateful Dead cover band. Of course, it's a consumption event. There'll be vendors there. There'll be all kinds of stuff. That's always fun. Go say hi to Rich and Gloria. That's this Saturday, and it's an all-day event. So you can just stop by, and you can't miss it. It's right on the post road. So, okay, we got local market. That is Brian's place. That's open every Saturday and Sunday. That's a fun little event. Uh, Baker's Meadow is an event up in Massachusetts. That's a cool one. We got the Breakfast Club on Sunday. And then the Meadows now here. This is put on by So Chill Events. This is in Berlin, Connecticut. And it's a, it's a, it's a adult event. Going to be vendors there. It's a private location. And if you want info, it is so chill CT. And we know Jocelyn. She's a friend of the show. And I hope to have her on soon. Interpret Tasting is doing an event on Sunday. Also, it is a cannabis tasting party along with food. So that's a Bobby Nugs event. That's something everybody should check out if they have time. And then I have two additions to the calendar also on Sunday. Connecticut is doing a hike, and I will tell you where that is. Right. Is South Lime, Connecticut, and you can check out Connecticut for that. It starts at 10 a.m. Those are always good cannabis hikes. And then there is an infused cooking class, which I just found out about on Thursday night, and that is at five o'clock. That is held at a place called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot in Milford, and you can contact Sweet Leaf Living for that. So those two events are added on after. Those are the events this week. Sounds like a fun week, but guess what? Our guest is here, and we should get her on. How's that? You guys ready for Michelle? Yes, yes, yes. Very excited. All right. Hold on. I just got to get her bio out here. Yes, this. I am. Yeah. We're going to get her bio up here for a minute. My computer took it away from me when I switched into the sharing mode. But Michelle, you are on the line. Why don't you hop in right now while I introduce you? Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, we got you. Michelle is a 45-year-old mother of one, former foster parent and licensed clinical social worker and birth doula. She is a first-generational pansexual woman of color from Bahan, the Barbados, and Vincentian, St. Vincent, and Grenadines. So she is down here. She comes from the Caribbean down here. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, she has a bachelor's in Spanish, Latin American studies, a master's in public administration, and a master's in social work. Her scope of practices include LGBTQI communities, older, older adults, hospice, dual diagnosis, co-occurring disorders, self-injury, self-harming behavior, new Americans, rural mental health, respectively. And her hobbies include writing, reading, painting, karaoke, and gardening. Gardening, and she resides in Newington with her son, Silas, and two rescued cats. Michelle, how are you today? I'm Long time right. no see. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You are. Hi, darling. Oh, mm-hmm. y'all doing this rainy afternoon. <laughs> glad to be talking to you. Yeah, yes. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I was just well, listening to you and planning and thinking like, ooh, can I go to that? Ooh, ooh, I don't well, know. there are. So that's so, yeah, you got Got to go out to these cannabis events and spread the news out there that yeah. you're running for governor. A lot well, of people just being present for folk, you know. So I partake. It just, you know, it it's usually in in uh, behind closed doors with 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 certain with certain companies. So you know, yes. but it's always good to support my brothers and sisters, especially if they're uh, small business owners trying to make their way. You know. Well, right, and you've been around the industry, um, cannabis industry. Uh, on kind of on the fringes for a while. You're a medical patient, correct? Yep. And you were certified right through Canna Health, correct? That's right. Yes. So, um, and I know that uh, you and I have conversed in the past about taking classes as well when we were doing the infusion classes. That was a while ago. A millennia ago, my goodness, my goodness. Yeah. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. A lot has remained the same. Like it seems like the same or the similar roadblocks that the industry as a whole has been facing hasn't really been surmounted in these last couple of months, despite the best efforts of so many. So, yeah. Yes. I wanted to ask, you know, what inspired you to run for governor? Um, I've been a part of the Green Party for a number of years um, and behind the scenes, though. And mm-hmm. one of the uh, chair members showed up in my gr- in my driveway with a clipboard and a big smile on her face. And it's very hard to say no to that young lady. And she reminded me how much she appreciated the work that I'm done, that I'm more than qualified. Green Party accepted you right away. I hope the Green Party lives up to their name um and they are very cannabis friendly i i haven't yes. really looked into their policy but uh i believe that they are for full legalization if i'm not if i'm not uh mistaken so um the green party definitely supports the cause and uh we did have a comment i wanted to mention from one listener mm-hmm. who said that um you know because you're with the green party and environmental concerns uh, are there any plans for like a recycling program in Connecticut? Because plastic containers for medical vape cartridge things have become cannabis facilities have also been known to have a huge environmental footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, her question, her name is Ellen, her name is Ellen Cope, and she's a listener. Her question is, do you have any plans to address that issue of waste in the cannabis industry, not only from the facilities, but from the consumers themselves? Like, and and I can agree. I mean, I throw these out. Why can't they be recycled or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I know some people might throw them on the ground. Mm -hmm. Even one better if they can become postable or biodegradable, a combination of the two. I am keen on reducing waste overall across the state. So, um, you know, especially from like our food providers, like our supermarkets, distributors, rather, um, being able to channel foodstuffs that are not used into food banks and directly into folks' homes so it doesn't end up in a landfill. 
Um, so I think, yeah, there, there, there are many ways to be more creative about reducing waste as well as making sure it doesn't enter into circulation in the first place. So that goes back to those who are manufacturing these products um, to really look at alternative ways to produce them so that they don't leave a footprint, that they don't end up um, strewn against our highways and byways or our front yards. So, yeah, I think I, I, I can definitely incorporate that into the plan that I have. Um, food and water. Yeah. With them. I, I have to think you could make these out of, you know, mm. I don't know, Luzon, he's a hemp farmer. Couldn't you make these cars? I'd be making everything out of hemp. The concentrate and containers, the packaging that you put it in. And we, I'd be using paper and not those plastic things. First of all, a lot of states use that. They use the paper containers. You make them out of hemp. We have hemp growers right here. I mean, we have tons of hemp growers in the state. I don't know why we don't uh, incorporate them a little bit more into the, the recreational cannabis industry because right. the two plants are basically the same. And uh, it's just, you know, levels of cannabinoids. So... <laughs> Well, Joe, you know, I say to the person who asked that question, though, if you have some, you know, some ideas about sustainability, ways we can save money on waste in the cannabis industry, please share it with us on the show. You know, like send it to us, or you can email it to me. You know, because we really, you know, you know, everybody's not an expert about everything. You know, but if we can use your expertise in different areas, we can be a better industry. We can, you know, but. You know, having people who are doing the research, doing the work, looking at this stuff and bringing it to the forefront is really important. So thank you. I hope uh, I, we will hear from you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure we'll hear more from Michelle. It's mm -hmm. nice. Uh, you know, me, I'm a big third party party supporter. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that this political system giving us only two choices is doing the people a big disservice when there are other um other candidates other parties that are already in existence that have some good ideas that don't get heard because they are not one of the big two i mean i don't know are you going to be able to participate in any of the gubernatorial debates no uh, all of are, are are not open to me uh um, right at all at all and We're even though you you're representing a legitimate party that's registered federally Mm -hmm. they will not let you participate in debates. That's correct. We're the fourth largest party in the state and I believe in the country right behind libertarians. Right. Uh, and we have an established track record of getting people in different offices on a local and municipal level. Um, so it, it doesn't make any sense that we're not allowed the same luxuries, uh, if you will, of being able to engage other candidates on a platform. I'm, I'm very much for ranked choice voting. Mm -hmm. Um, that uh, folks should have more of a choice in, um, you know, choosing who represents their value systems and their personal priorities, as well as the public good, than just assuming that whoever is currently in power um, or the person who's running against them are the only options available to them. Um, I, I also see the Republicans and the Democrats as the same party. Um, yeah. Funded by the same people. I, yeah, I don't want to get too deep, but, you know. I don't... <laughs> And, and I think it's unfortunate not giving you a voice to have in this. And, you know, like, we want to know what your thoughts are. Like, the only way we can make a decision is to 
fully be able to know what everyone's platform is. And so it's unfortunate that they're not giving you that option, but we are. So tell us, what is your platform? Like, what are your plans for our state? Yeah. What would you like to see change? Um, well, the three biggest um, items on my list is universal health care, uh, universal education and mass transit. As far as universal health care is concerned, um, my my preference would that be everyone would have access to comprehensive bundled health care, including dental and um, all the other aspects of, of, of coverage that are often uh, parceled off into different pieces and you have to pay separate premiums for. Um, that's equivalent or better to what state employees receive. Um, people right. would not do, if they are comfortable with their current insurance plan, they would not have to change if they so choose to. But I would like the option available to those who wished that, you know, they had better resources in terms of being able to, to be covered for certain procedures and, and the like, have access to it, you know. Right. So, and we, we do have the Husky program here in Connecticut. And I will say being a member of that, mm -hmm. they, they're very good. They cover dental, they cover eyes, they cover quite a bit. What do you feel about an expansion of that program? Just up, uh, you know, because we do already have a state program in place. I don't know how logistically it is to, you know, do it by state instead of the feds, but mm -hmm. um, we do have a decent program existing. I mean, I think there's a way to incorporate that and allow more people access to it. Unfortunately, we know that's federally funded too. <laughs> On the side of the provider, um, you know, folk are less likely to take Husky um, because it doesn't, the repayment rate is less and it often takes a lot longer to get the money to the providers. So that's why you see people or different. Um, Don't want to take it. Yeah. Take it because they're not going to get their money. Um, so, and there's some, the Medicare for all and Husky. I have some questions in terms of the mental health piece, mental health mm. coverage. Assistant, um, for either one of them, whether you're working with children or um, adults, so across the age spectrum, that part of the program needs to be bolstered. So I'm not in, interested in, in recreating the wheel, but adding the components that are missing from existing coverage and broadening the scope of it, as well as the quality of the services themselves. So as far right. as, and, um, you know, it pains me that I live in Newington, but I have to, that I purposely enrolled my son in, Glo in Glastonbury because his father lives there because they have a better caliber of, of services and amenities for my son, right? Mm -hmm. Town, um, before that I live in Wethersfield, but it's well known that you have to be in certain towns in order to get the, the attention of certain colleges and different programming and, and the like, Avon, Canton, Simsbury, um, all of Fairfield County, you know? So this state is highly segregated and remains so in respect to education as well as, you know, physical segregation where, where people of color are often clustered around cities and, you know, mm -hmm. don't have the access or exposure to things that, that their, their counterparts in, in more affluent neighborhoods would. Um, right. Or property taxes and creating a more regress, uh, progressive, uh, uh, property, progressive tax system overall that would fund schooling on a more equitable level throughout the state is one of my priorities in my Good schools, um, and now not so much. You know, it's it's a shame 
like you said that I'm, I'm 62 years old. I've been in this state most of my life. I grew up here and I would say the state has changed, but that segregation aspect that you speak of is still quite a bit in existence, you know, um, and, and that's something I think at this, in this day and age that we really need to change, you know, uh, the, the demographics of the state has changed and they need to realize that it is not the same as the sixties and the seventies, that this is an, uh, this is a more diverse state now and that we have to, you know, and it is not rich anymore. We have a more we have more low income and middle low middle in this state than we ever used to, and that's because we're taxed to death. We are taxed to death here. I, I mean, to me, just the way the amount of taxes we pay here is ridiculous. We have to pay every year sales tax on our car when we already bought it once. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, we have to pay sales tax on our office equipment even though we bought it once and paid sale tax once, what's that about? I mean, these are ridiculous taxes that no other, I've lived in five other states. Nobody ever taxed my property. Nobody taxed my car, but once mm -hmm. when I bought it and then it was mine. Mm -hmm. All I had to do was register it. I didn't pay any extra taxes on it. So I think that if anything, needs to be changed and we are going to get a windfall from this legal cannabis especially the way that they're setting it up with big money players they are looking to make this a cash cow for them why can't you know i mean that's one thing what would you do with that cannabis money you know we know lamont wants to just throw it in the general fund mm -hmm. and and do whatever he wants with it even though it was uh, suggested to him and implied that that would go back into communities. It doesn't look like it's going to. Mm -hmm. So, so we're going to have a giant windfall from this and, and the state's going to be making a ton of money. Are they going to lower our taxes because of it? I don't think so. I think you're still going to be paying the same ridiculous taxes, even though the state has much more money than it used to. And I know this is two, three years down the road, but still the governor's four years. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, these are some of the ridiculous things about this. That's why I left. I just couldn't afford to live there anymore. I was tired of giving away my money. I want to spend my money on me. I want to invest it in my future. I don't want to give it to the state who's just frittering it away. Right. So, I mean, that's me. I mean, I'm sorry for the rant, but that's what I see as one of the biggest, biggest problems in Connecticut. You are allowed. Is there anything you're going to do about taxes? Money. Um, again, the code needs to be revised. It favors people who have um, a considerable amount of wealth. And from my humble experience, um, just surveying the land, people who have tend to hoard and people who do not tend to spend most of what they have on you know paying the utility bills and making sure that their kids have something to eat and buy clothes. Um, oddly enough, people's tax bur burden per house is the least expensive. Um, you know, as far as, as as taking away from their their income, where what is the most expensive for folk seems to be um, related to mortgages and rent and um, other basic needs. Um, right. 
So, you know, a more comprehensive approach to how we allow people to live or, or to, to, to make a, light, a living while living here in Connecticut needs to be made. And I have a lot of ideas. I truly do. So speaking to my third um, point around mass transit. So a portion of the funding that we would see, receive over the next two to three years, I would direct into creating an actual mass transit system. We don't have that here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I don't expect is something that's akin to New York or Philadelphia or even Boston. But what I do expect is that, you know, far-flung areas of the state, Putnam and Woodstock and Salisbury and Stonington would be able to be interconnected in a regional rail system that is using our existing rails. Like we have a system in the ground that we uh, predominantly use for freight, you know, mm-hmm. in the last few years. So the system is there and it hasn't, hasn't been tapped into because the, the push for cars and um, wider highways has been been more of our priority over the last uh, uh, 50, 40 years or so. But I think we need to go back to basics and it would make a world of a dis- difference for people who need to be more mobile and can't have that and don't have access to a car, can't afford to pay the tax on the car, never mind, um, and would, would like to work in other parts of the state where jobs are, you know? So it's really right. hard for... 20s or 30s who lives out in in Sprague, or um, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Forgive me, the friend of mine who's in Sprague, uh, <laughs> Sprague, Sprague, um, <laughs> Norwich, and who you know who sees you know position out in Danbury, they would like to apply to, but they can't get there. You know, right. Um, so being able to create a system that is is viable, that is robust, that is accessible. Um, and most importantly, links all of our colleges that are together, including community colleges. Well, that's a great idea. Difference in terms of making the state more attractive. Not the fact that we have uh, legalized abortion here. We're trying to, um, you know, promote that as something as a, as a benefit, you know, because um, I, I saw that Governor Lamont was trying to push that. Um, but the fact that you can actually you know, afford a house under 500,000, send your, your child to schools that um, provide them with a quality STEM-based education, STEAM-based education, and you don't have to rely on your car to get everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that would make this state much more attractive and hold on to people that we've been losing on a yearly basis to others. I tend state. to agree with that. And the fact that we, like you say, we already have the rails there. It's just mm-hmm. a question of getting the trains and finding, figuring out the right routes and, and how it would work. But I think that's a great idea. I've always complained that you're not, we're not connected to the upper part of the state. You know, as far as you can go is Hartford, really. Really, as far as you can go is New Haven. And then you have to take a transfer wherever you want to go. You can get to Waterbury. You can get to Danbury. But it's a, it's a long haul. It's not a direct. You have to go to Stanford to get to Waterbury. You know, it's, it's not easy they don't it's an all-day trip when you want to take a train and like you say there are still some areas that don't even have train stations that aren't even hooked up so perhaps instead of manufacturing boats um submarines rather um why don't we create a high speed line um through a collaboration of resources in state i mean we could be the worldwide, if not nationwide, manufacturer of high-speed trains in the state because we have the technology and we have the, the, the know-how already here. So why don't we divert that attention into creating rail lines here and, and mimicking what a system might look like? Because out of the G7 countries throughout the world, we're the only one that doesn't have um, nationwide high-speed rail. 
We're behind. We're, all, we're the only one that doesn't have universal health care either. So. We're the only one that doesn't have universal health <laughs> And we rank low, lowest in mater, uh, maternity um, health needs and all, all kinds of things. You know, it's, 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 it's devastating. Yeah, and it's not just this state. People have to understand this is a countrywide problem. This is happening all over the country. There are maybe a few states where it's a little better, but this is all over. Um, and and it just seems like the quality of life in this country has gone down. Like I said, I'm 62 years old. I know what it used to be like. I, I know, I know how the world was compared to how it is. And nobody expects a perfect world, but we certainly certainly can make an effort to make it better you know as much as much as we humanly can so okay so those are your three main points for your platform the healthcare, the transportation and then the tax money where it's going to go pretty much more into the communities more into programs for children more into things that benefit the people and not big corporations in the state well as, in, um, well, as attending to our infrastructure. Right. And then, yeah, attending to the infrastructure, because let's be real, for the amount of taxes we pay on these roads, they could use a little uh, a repair, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, the road system uh, has a lot to be desired out here in Connecticut. Again, mm-hmm. but it's progress, not progression, perfection, right? So <laughs> now... Now that we've discussed your main platforms, let's talk about cannabis, okay? Mm -hmm. Because as far as I'm concerned, the system that they set up is flawed. Mm -hmm. It is not working. It is, I don't want to use the word corrupted, but it is definitely skewed towards big money players. Um, And it needs to be changed. I believe this lottery system is a joke. As long as more than one person can, you you can buy more than one ticket. I believe that's a joke. I believe their approval system is a joke. They send it out to an outside company who doesn't know these people, a company, you know, that's an accounting firm, the social equity council themselves, the people who are supposed to be watchdogging this industry don't even have a say in who gets approved and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just a sham. That's a, a, just a, a, a face organization. They're just out there for show if they're not really making the decisions. This is done by an outside company. Mm-hmm. So they're deciding who gets, not even in Connecticut, they're deciding who gets these licenses. And I can see already from the people that they have approved with the big one, which was the social equity cultivator license, that they already are leaning towards a certain type of person to give this license to. I mean, it's obvious they obviously don't want activists in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They don't want people who have activist um, history owning a dispensary, obviously. So the people that they're giving it to are, some of them are from out of state, ex-state senator, seated city councilwoman. I mean, there are people out there getting these licenses that are very questionable. Mm-hmm. As to, And so the Social Equity Council, their job would be to go over that and say, no, 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 this ain't right. This ain't right. This isn't what 
this does not fall into the guidelines of Connecticut of what we had envisioned for social equity in Connecticut, but they don't. They just don't. They don't do anything. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the licensing needs to be changed. The demographic for who is in equity needs to go beyond just location because some of these locations that they've said are affected are not affected by the war on drugs. They're wealthy, wealthy uh, municipalities, wealthy communities. They just happen to have a less, but that's because, you know, there's a lot of drug dealers up there. Um, so, you know, I, it, it needs to be changed. And I don't see the current administration. They're perfectly happy with the way things are. They know they're going to fill their fill the bank up. You know, they've already taken money from people that they're not going to get back. Lotteries, uh, you know, deposits, all these kind of things that they've taken from people who are not getting approved. And and so now we're we're stuck with a crappy system. And and me being an advocate who fought really really hard for this for for seven years, you know, to see some of these things things go through and to see the way it's being implemented breaks my heart. And not only does it breaks my heart, it pisses me off to no end. And it makes me want to come back there and kick some ass, but I, uh, I'm holding myself back and I'm hoping that the activists that are there will grab the reins, just like I grabbed the reins when the activists before me left. I hope there are some people out there who will grab the reins and take a leadership role in this community because the people who used to do it can't do it anymore. They've moved on, you know, and this is what happened with us. All the people who got cannabis legalized were not the same people who got the medical program in. The people who got the medical program in all moved on and we had to take over. Now it's time for a new group of people to take over. I'm always here as a consultant and people need advice, but I can't do it anymore. And I, we need people out there like you who are actually running for office, trying to go for the top seat to make a change. We need support from the cannabis community for people like you. You know what I mean? And people who are out to actually make a change. Because as far as I'm concerned, whether you vote Republican or Democrat this time, you're voting for the same party. You're not voting for change. You're voting for maybe a lateral change. If you, if you, you vote in Bob Stefanowski, you'll get a few different changes. I don't think he's going to do much big things. I don't think he's going to mess with cannabis. Uh, I, I'd love to get him on the show and find out. But I've heard his platform. It's all about lowering taxes, and that's fine if he can get it done. But I don't think he will without the support of the legislator. And if they remain a democratically leaning legislature, which we don't know, they may change this election. Who knows? But um, I think that's the most important thing is fixing this cannabis industry licensing and the way they set it up. Is that something? you would be willing to do, to go in there and say, all right, social equity council, <laughs> I don't see any activists on this council. Right. How come that is? Right. I don't see any people who actually were out there fighting for this legalization. 
on this council? How does that happen? How do we end up with all, uh, you know, government people on this council? At least in Massachusetts, they put a couple activists on there who actually made a difference, you know, but no, not here. So, I mean, are these the type of things with the cannabis industry? Because I know, like you said, you partake, you're a medical patient, you've been Mm -hmm. around the industry, you've been to some of the events, you know what's going on. Is this something you'd be willing to take on and tackle? Would you be willing to talk with some activists and get together with some of the people in the community and say, as this candidate for governor, how can I support you? What changes would you like to see and how can I help implement them? Would you be willing to do that? I would any day of the week. Um, I I am uh, in the process of being considered for an endorsement with another party, also considered third party. And um, one of the questions that kept popping up was like, how do you actually make change with people? I said, you you show up when they ask you to and you don't leave when things are going good. You know, Mm. you make yourself available to the communities that you are seeking to serve and follow their recommendations, you know, because that's the guidance that you truly need. Right. If you want to make a lasting imprint impression on on the lives who, of those who are, are suffering or who are just barely making it, you know, you have to be there. You have to be able to receive the information, the guidance that they're there to give you and then follow through on what you say you're going to do. So that's why that's one of the reasons why I was very excited to be on your show, um, because well, we were want, excited to have you. <laughs> wanted folk to know that this is. Um, of critical importance to me because when I was in, you know, even though at the periphery, my thing was hemp, you know, I was, I had, and still do maintain an incredible uh, uh, interest in the different ways that we can market and use hemp in this state. Um, and I'm very dismayed at the lack of equity uh, related issues on the hemp side. Um, there Agree. was no- I mean, everything was focused towards the marijuana side, but nothing on the hemp side. So what you have on their side is blatantly um, generational farmers and other, you know, insiders, you know, sapping up licenses and using it to their benefit. But there was no there was no programming for first time or landless or persons of color who were interested in growing hemp. It was nothing like that available. There was no Um, equity. And I think it was the times hemp was legalized in 2018. Right. You know, I don't know that it was on the forefront of their mind, but I do believe it's something that should be added in now. I I think we can definitely, I'd like to see more persons of color. We do have a Latino (laughs) farmer right on the air with us. And Mm -hmm. we did have a Mexican um, owner of a CBD company last week. Yeah, but there's definitely not enough representation and there's no, there's no assistance or anything. It's just straight. Uh, you got to keep pushing the same way as everybody else. And there's no, no yep. accountability for any of it. And it's, it's, it's very hard. So we do commend everybody who's made their way into it, but there, there definitely is more space. You know what I mean? Right. Definitely so I, space I, to grow in that. 2016, 2017, nobody would give me audience around him. Um, you know, working with UConn and all, you know, all of this stuff. It was just, it was just an absolute nightmare. So I don't want anyone in my situation to go through it and i want a more concrete path towards um you know creating a career whether it's in um hemp or marijuana just cannabis overall um that's available and accessible to anyone who has the means to 
to get there. You know, right. and I you think know what? we should have more training opportunities. And yeah, I agree. The state has agreed to set up a training program, but I have not heard Heidner Harrow. an educational background. So, I mean, I ran a cannabis school for three years. So, um, but yeah, I agree. Education is very important. We need more of that. And, and if they are going to start opening these dispensaries and these new cultivation facilities, hey, you're going to need workers and they're going to need to be trained, you right. know, and there's going to be a turnover. So there's going to be something that's constantly needed to be done. So, I mean, we're on the cusp of a big change in the state as far as, as that goes. You know, the legal cannabis industry will change the face of the state just like it did in Massachusetts. And, and I think it's important that we get ahead of it. We've had one round of bad licensing. We don't want the second round to be just as bad. We want change before this second round comes about. So it's kind of important that we get on this right away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, we have to wait and see how it flushes out. They did approve a bunch more licenses last week for some of the smaller, less expensive ones. So let's see who they ended up giving them to. But uh, I don't have a lot of hope right now for the way they did it. And I, I expected more out of the state. It's my, my own fault. I'm very disappointed, uh, which makes me want to vote for third party candidates and vote somebody in who's not a part of the establishment. And, and really, that's what we're talking about. We're talking we, about disrupting. We we're bought. talking about disrupting the establishment. No, that's one thing I do like about equity. I mean, I do like that about a lot of these independent parties, the Green Party, the Libertarian. You can't be bought. They stand for what they stand for. They're, they don't take corporate money because if they did, they'd be a lot bigger. You know what I mean? They'd have a lot higher profile. If you took corporate money, you'd be in that debate. Are you well, kidding? <laughs> to the people, but to the shareholders, you know? Um, yeah. And that would that would invalidate the whole purpose of the party itself. So it doesn't make any sense to what we stand for. Right. Right. You're both. I, I say both the green, the libertarian. I have voted for candidates in both parties because sometimes I just don't want to vote for two of the established candidates. I don't mm -hmm. want to. I don't want to give them my vote, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll give it to somebody else if it'll up their profile. So if my one vote is one more vote for the libertarian or the green party. So be it. Great. That's mm -hmm. closer they can get to being in the debates. Because so I don't know. What did they have that same rule that they have with the feds? You have to have 15 percent of polling or something. I don't understand. You know, yeah, I know that's the that's the federal law to keep the third parties out. <laughs> and in state, one percent in state to keep uh, the ballot. Oh, OK. Well, let's get you going, man. Let's get you into that one percent. We need mm -hmm. to get people supporting you. So please, Michelle, feel free to post on any of our, of our sites, the Greenhaven Media, the Cannabis Corner, post whatever you've got going on, send it over to me, show up at these events. We've got an open invitation to all activists out there to meet with you. Please take advantage of it.
we want to see change in this state and it's not going to happen with the same two parties. Bottom line, I'm getting the word to get off the air now. Michelle, tell us how they can get a hold of you and and, uh, and how the people can support you. Thank you so much. Um, oddly enough, the fastest way to get in touch with me is to call me, 860-255-8189. Comes directly to me. My website is roomatthetable4.us. So room at the table for us. And you're um, on social media, right? Social media, MLB, CT Green on both Facebook and Twitter. So, on Facebook and Twitter, and you have a page on Facebook. Michelle Bickering for Connect. Michelle Bickering for Connecticut. Check it out. Get in touch with her. She's on your side, cannabis community. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Lou. You can find me at Joe the Weed Guy on Instagram and Facebook and Greenhaven Media. And thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Just remember, folks, I'm my own person. No matter who I associate with, I make up my own mind. But I got high. I'm taking it next semester. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high.